Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, I don't know how you've been spending your time as of late. Uh, there's a, a number of new scenarios that we find ourselves in and, and different ways to fill the time. And perhaps if you're like our family and you have young kids at home, you have a whole new scenario uh, unlike has ever been available before. Uh, we're both at home as parents, our kids are at home, and it's kind of like, what do we do now? And it's been interesting, our kids for a long time now have been asking us, if, if, uh, especially our older ones, if we could watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And if you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know that is a commitment uh, to, to, you know, to make. And, and just for the longest time, I just didn't feel like I had it in me. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to go rewatch those. And so in light of extra time with our kids, they said, come on, how about now? Let's watch Lord of the Rings. So our family has been going through it. And still, we're on like three days it takes us to watch one movie just because of how long these suckers are. We're watching the extended cuts, uh, which I have never even seen before because who had the time for that? And now it seems appropriate, like, yeah, let's, let's go through these movies now and we can watch them together. And, and, and so it was earlier this week that I was uh, re-watching the first one uh, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And, and there's this iconic scene that, uh, that has been quoted and is, is powerful. And I heard it with new ears uh, in the light of, of what we're going through together uh, in the world right now. And so I want to share this, this conversation. If you've seen the movies, you're no doubt familiar with this. But this takes on a different meaning when you consider it in light of today. This is Frodo, uh, who has been given this task. He's got to carry this ring and and this burden. And and he says this line, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And I think a lot of people right now are are, are feeling that, are resonant. I wish this wasn't the reality. I wish I didn't lose that. I wish this didn't happen. And yet, if you know the scene, Gandalf the wizard offers him uh, some wise advice and response. And he says this, So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I think it's a great setup for uh, what we're going to look at today and, and how we're going to continue to process through. How do we have a healthy perspective of what Jesus is doing in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of the world literally being upended and, and, and things happening that ha- have never happened in our lifetimes before? How do we have this kind of perspective, even if we might say, I, I wish this never had happened? Well, I want to welcome you to Abundant Life Church at whichever one of our hundreds of campuses uh, that you are on. Your living room, uh, your TV, your computer, your cell phone has become a little mini campus. And, and, and we're so grateful that you're a part of this. My name is Jeremy, the lead pastor here. And if you are new with us and you got invited in or you found uh, us online or someone shared the link with you, uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you want to know what kind of a church we are, we're about giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And, and that has uh, never been more true than it is right now as we look at how do we be the church? How do we live out our faith when there is so much fear around us? Well, we have been going through for months now uh, a series through the Gospel of John. And if you've been with us, you know we've just been working our way through this. And, and, and I, I've made a decision this week. We're going to push pause 
on the Gospel of John. Uh, last week we, we preached on it, and the, the story that we did last week I, I felt like was a really good uh, story to set us up for this. But I want to do something I've literally never done before uh, in my ministry life. Uh, I'm going to preach week to week. Uh, which means I don't have a series we're going to go through. I don't even know what we're going to do next week. And this is not the way I, I normally do my sermon prep. But there is so much changing in the world right now. There is so much happening uh, every day. The, the news is different. E- every week things are, are being adjusted. I want the ability just to say, what is God putting on our hearts right now? And, and so this gives me the chance just to keep really short accounts and go, all right, God, what is it like now that we need to process through? What is it now we need to be talking about uh, in the midst of things changing faster than they ever have? And, and so uh, that's a little bit different if you've been with us and you're regular with us. You're going, all right, so what series are in? Not in a series. We're just going to go week to week. And, and at some point we'll pick back up on, on, uh, on the next series. But uh, right now we're just going to do this one week at a time. And so today I want to I want to share uh, a quote that I, I read this week that I thought was such a good perspective on, on what so many of us are processing through right now. This comes from a theologian named Walter Brueggemann. He says this: To some extent, I judge that our society lives in a bubble of illusion that is addicted to certain ideas that are remote from the lived reality that is all around us. In our situation, I judge, much like that of ancient Jerusalem, we are unable to see, to notice, or to take seriously the social reality in front of us. Now, Brueggemann's getting this idea that, that we kind of live in this ongoing illusion where we're not really attuned to life and to the realities of life. And, and yet, I think right now we're in a, a moment where the bubble of illusion has popped. And we are experiencing things, we are seeing things, we are feeling things that are more in line with reality. And yet many of us have not had to come to terms with these. Many of us had not had to stare at some of these things that, that we are staring at. And honestly, in my conversations, I have found that a lot of people are still trying to catch up to this, are still trying to go, no, 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 this is going to pass quickly. This will be over soon. Nothing has to change. And, and, and it's like almost a protection of this bubble of illusion. I don't want to lose this. I want to go back to the way things were rather than a willingness to go, God, what is it we need to see? What reality is in front of us that maybe we've been numb to, maybe we haven't stared at, and how do we see it really well? And so if you're taking notes today, and I'd encourage you to, whether that's physically on a notepad or a note app on your phone, Today's title is The Bubble of Illusion. And so if you uh, want to reference back to this later and you want to go watch this message online or, or, or reference these notes, this is the, the, the title of it. And then in our Bible today, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 137. So go to the book of Psalms that's in the Old Testament. And uh, it's a big book, so hopefully you, you can find it. I'll give you a moment there. And we're going to look at Psalm 137 today. Now, while you're turning there, I want to ask a question. And, and I, I think uh, if you could pull each of us who are watching this right now and go, uh, what's your answer to this question? I think we'd all have different answers. And, and, and that's fine. Uh, but I think the, the, the point is to be thinking about questions like this, to start figuring out how should we be uh, viewing this right now? What, what should we be thinking? What should we be doing? Here's a question that I've seen some of this language used, and this is a question that I had in response. Are we... In a momentary blizzard, a month-long winter, or more than a year of ice age. 
And although all those concepts uh, are connected, but they're all for different durations, right? Is this a blizzard that we're in right now? And, and it's really bad and it's a lot, but this blizzard's going to blow over. And then it's like, we go right back to the way things were. Or have we begun a winter and that winter might last for a few months and, and you know, it's like, wow, okay, we didn't think this kind of a winter was going to come. Or are we entering into something that maybe, you know, only comes around so often that, that really we're in an ice age? And, and again, you might have your own answer to that, but I think it's worth asking this question to go, what season are we in right now? What is this that we're going through? See, the event determines the response. You react differently to a blizzard than you do to an ice age. If it's a blizzard, you, you really brace yourself uh, really dramatically for a very short duration. If it's an ice age, you have to start making long-term decisions differently. And yet the irony is a blizzard can lead you to an ice age, and you may have to figure out both realities at the same time. But what I would like to suggest is, is wherever you land on that, I would like to suggest that we are living in a defining life moment. By that I mean, um, this is one of those life moments that will shape us in ways uh, you and I probably have no idea about right now. This will shape us for the rest of our lives. We will think different thoughts about certain things because of the season we're in right now. Now, you might think that sounds uh, too dramatic or, or oh, I don't think there's that way at all. I would just encourage you, that, that's what I am processing going, how will this moment shape us and how, how will we think differently and, and what will we look back on a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? How will we look back on this season and, and what will we go, wow, I, I am different today. This is different today because of that season. Now, there's other defining life moments that you can look at throughout history, and, and, and uh, there's a number of those, but, but there's also those moments in the scriptures. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was a, a similar type of life-defining moment uh, that became this huge deal, and it was uh, the fall of, of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem uh, at the hands of the Babylonians. This happened around 587 BCE, and, and this uh, was a, just a huge defining moment. And much of the Old Testament is based around this moment. And you may have never read it like that, but if you read it with this in mind, you, you get to understand the Old Testament in different ways because this moment forever shaped ancient uh, Israel. It forever shaped, uh, shaped the Israelites. This moment where uh, they had this city and they had Jerusalem, they had all their hope in it and, and God was their God and God was protecting them. And then God allows the Babylonians to come in to wipe out uh, Jerusalem as they know it, to, to do a, a captivity. And it, I mean, this whole thing forever changed the people of Israel. Now I want to read uh, in Psalm 137, because this is in a response to uh, the fall of Jerusalem. And I want you to see how they began to process through a similar life-defining moment for them. And, and you and I can maybe see... how. How do we learn from this? How do we see uh, ideas of what you and I can do today as we process through a defining moment for us as well? And so if you're with me in Psalm 137, we begin in verse 1. And, and it's not a long chapter, so I just want to work through the few verses in this chapter. And I want to show you how they processed the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 1 says this. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps 
hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. Now, this is beginning a, a posture of grieving, a posture of, of reflection on what they have lost, on what is now different. And, and I want you to see one of the phrases there that, that is, is something you and I can learn from a day. But notice that he says, we put away our harps. We're not, we're not playing the music anymore. We put away our harps. Because grieving requires a change of behavior. You cannot go through life as it was. You cannot keep up routine as it was and go, I'm just going to grieve as well. It requires a moment to say, whoa, stop, stop. This isn't working. I've got to process this. I've got to put away the harp. And so you find them as they're trying to process this, they begin by putting away the harps. Now, it's been interesting to me watch uh, our collective struggle as, uh, as Americans, but you've seen the whole world deal with this. Um, how do we stop to grieve a new reality? And, and maybe you've seen uh, some of the clips of people on spring break and, and, and some of the quotes. I just find a little bit hard to, to wrap my mind around of, you know, I'm not going to let the coronavirus stop me from partying. That was one of the, the quotes I saw. And I thought, man, this is, this is just an unwillingness to look at reality, to say that that's not gonna, that's not gonna slow me down. And yet, if we want to be attuned to the moment, there has to be that posture to say, we're gonna put away the harps. We're gonna stop certain things because we need to reflect. We need some space. We need to change the routine in order to process what's happening. Now, again, there's been lots of opinions on what does that look like? How much should you do that? How little should you do that? Uh, how do you do that without having fear take over? And yet I have found it's, an, it's a kind of a bizarre reality when one of the most loving things that we can do for one another right now is to stay away from one another. It's to say, you know what, we're going to create that distance, not out of fear, out of love for you. To say, I, I don't want to keep this going. I don't want to risk more people than, than, than need to. And so we're going to put away the harps. We're going to slow down. We're going to stop this for that purpose. And so a lot of us, if you're like me, I've been doing Zoom calls all week and I've been figuring out how do I have meetings digitally. We had our life group met last night and we met on our computers and we all gathered around. It's not something we normally do, but we're trying to figure this out. And, and so I know a lot of you are in a similar, uh, similar situation. And again, most of us don't have fully equipped home offices designed for recording, right? And so now you have all of a sudden all of these uh, video conferences that people are having in settings that they perhaps weren't ready to have. And I saw a few of these that I thought were, were funny, some home offices that people are making, and, uh, and maybe this is you, but here's a few examples. Uh, one of them is, is this one, which I think is, is just funny, of someone setting up a, a home example uh, right in their front room. And so you can see this here, and, and they're just trying to figure out, like, yeah, that's right by the front door, but hey, this is going to work. And again, if you're on the other end of that camera, uh, you, you probably don't realize where you are. You, you just figure it out, and it looks good. Or, or about this one, uh, where you start to see someone, and, and, and again, they're, they're making the best of it, but that's probably not the ideal setup uh, for what they're doing. And yet, that's how they figure it out. Or maybe you want to go outside and you want to have a different kind of perspective and you get this one. Uh, and they go outside here and, and figure out it's on a recycling bin. You go, well, that's not exactly a home office. But again, you're just trying to figure this out. This is all a way that we now process through. How do we take this realization and adjust? How do we pivot? How do we realize things have to be 
different. And I think it's a healthy moment, like we see with, uh, with the, the Israelites here, to go, we got to stop some things. we got to just reflect and pause. And, and I would encourage you, hopefully you're not just trying to keep up everything as it was, but you're taking a second to breathe, to pause, to, to shut down certain aspects and go, I need to think deeply. I need to process this. I, I, I need to grieve certain things that, that are not uh, the way they used to be and may never be that way again. And, and we need to allow ourselves this experience between us and God. And, and as we see in, in, in Psalm 137, I, I think it begins by just stopping certain things that we do. We'll go back to, to the chapter and, and go to verse 3, and it continues. For our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? They, they're brought into captivity. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest Joy. Oh Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day uh, the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. This is the psalmist just venting out pain, saying, How could I sing when, when we're away from Jerusalem, when Jerusalem has fallen, when we're brought into a foreign land? How could I? And he's just, just giving words to these emotions, going, How could I do this? Or how could I do that? Uh, and, and it's beginning to process through the pain of the loss, the pain of this. And a question that I'm left with as I look at this, and I think it's a question you and I should wrestle with, is what can take away the pain of life? When you feel pain, what takes it away? What, what allows us to, to remove it or, or to go, hey, I don't have to feel what I'm feeling right now. What do you do when you feel that pain? Now, the reality is a lot of us, we turn to addictions. We, we self-medicate. And there's any varieties of ways you can do this. You can do this with alcohol. You can do this with pornography. Uh, you can do this with any one of those things that becomes your, your little coping mechanism. You go, I'm going to use this because this makes me feel better. And my fear for us right now is in a season of more isolation, in a season where we don't have the outlets we used to have, I think the addiction solution is more prevalent than it ever has been, where that is more available to people. And we go, hey, I know how to cope with this. I know how to take away this pain. But if you've ever gone down that road, you know that this does not take away pain. It may numb you for a moment. But it is not going to take away the pain. And most of the time, it compounds the pain. It adds new complications to that pain. And yet, that's, that's a common one. We, we have something we go to. This, this is what allows me to, to take away the pain. Maybe for you, it's your spouse. Maybe you look at them and you go, you better be that person. You better make me feel good. You, you better be able to just absorb all my pain and all my stress. And at the end of it, give me the right word of encouragement. Buy me something nice. I mean, I, I better feel way better at the end of it. And yet, if you've done that, you know there, there's no uh, true ability a spouse has to take away pain of that level. A, a spouse can't take away your pain. They can carry it with you, but they can't take it away. 
for, for many of us, we, we go to our job, our work. I'm just going to be so busy. I'm going to be so, uh, I just apply myself to that. And so I don't have to think about all these other things. I don't have to think about this pain because I'll just be busy and productive and, and I'll, I'll channel it over here. And yet, as our jobs have changed or, or have decreased or whatever that has looked like for you, you're realizing that outlet's probably not there like it used to be there. And, and you don't have the same way to numb the pain that you may have been able to do with your job before. For, for some of us, I, I think it can be our kids. Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna live vicariously through my kids and, and, and I'm gonna set them up to be this and that. And I'm gonna be so involved in their life. And, and that's the way I will, I will numb the pain that I'm feeling as well. And yet what I would encourage you today is none of these will take away your pain. What you and I have to learn how to do is to grieve our pain with Jesus. To say, Jesus, this is, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And, and allow the space just to grieve that and to invite the presence of God into that moment to say, help me with this. Uh, shape me through this. Give me perspective through this. Heal me through this. Uh, lead me through this, right? Speak into this moment with us. Now, we don't normally spend a lot of time as Americans processing grief. Uh, we're really good when things are going well and, and we'll be productive and, and we'll focus on the American dream and what we can accomplish and what we can do. And yet now we're all having to, to, to stop and reflect on a, a very different type of season where, where we don't get that, that opportunity. Uh, we have to figure out what would emerge if we didn't quickly move on. What, what realizations would we have? What, what new insights would we get if we weren't trying to take away the pain with something else as as form of medication, but we just sat in it? We just felt it. We just uh, allowed ourselves the space to process through uh, the uncertainties and the fears and the questions and the doubts. And we said, all right, Jesus, you're still good. You're still present with me. How can I navigate this reality with you? I think there would be a number of new realizations that you and I would see. Here's a few of them that, that maybe you've noticed. Um, right now, uh, for a lot of people, and again, this may not be you, but for a lot of people, uh, you have more time with your spouse and your kids uh, in ways that have probably never been possible before on this scale. I've never been in a season like this where I'm at home and my wife is at home and my kids are at home and, and, and we're just at home and we're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. And I just have never had a time like this. What would I do if I reflected on that and realized this is a unique moment? How would I adjust to that if I'm aware of that, if I'm attuned to that? Uh, if you're one of those people that has FOMO, uh, you know, the fear of missing out. Uh, this is an amazing time for you because you are literally missing nothing right now. There is nothing going on. This is probably the only time in your lifetime this can be said for you. So if you're a person that has FOMO and you're like, what is, what is someone else doing? What is, there's some party happening that I'm not a part of, right? There's nothing going on right now. Like, it's just Everybody's at home. I mean, there's no party, there's no supper. It is just you and, and what you're experiencing, what everyone's experiencing. But that's a bizarre reality. Well, if you just go, okay, what does that look like? Well, how, do I, how do I have an awareness of this right now? Some of you, if you, you know, were to stop and reflect, you have time for projects and hobbies that you have been saying for years you would do. And now you have got likely time in, in a way that you're not going to have it like this again. 
And it's a perspective to go, well, yeah, this is, this is different, but how do, I, how do I see what is before me in, in, a, in a, a real way? Regardless of, of how this affects you, because again, for a lot of people, you might be more busy than you've ever been, depending on if you're in the medical field or, or what it is that you're doing. But for all of us, we have a shared human experience that is drawing us together in a way that is very unlikely to happen in the near future. And as we look at, even in America, the political landscape and how it is so easy to go, it's us versus them and whatever us uh, side you, you are a part of, them is the other side. And, and we just go back and forth and go, man, they are the problem. And yet here in the midst of that divided uh, culture, we have a life moment happening that is unifying all of us together. We are sharing the pain together. We are sharing the inconvenience together. We are sharing the fear together. What would it look like if we were able to pause and to reflect and to see this well and to go, okay, how do we live faithfully in this moment with the realities that we're seeing? Now, here's what I would tell you, and this is why uh, a lot of people won't do uh, what I'm suggesting, is because if you slow down, if you create space, if you allow yourself to feel the pain, if you allow yourself to grieve the pain, you don't medicate, you don't run to something else to take it away, and you say, okay, I'm just going to sit in this moment. What you will also realize is that a new level of pain may emerge. Pain that you don't even give words to. You don't allow it to have a voice in your life. You, you shove it down. You bury it deep. And, and there's a deeper level of pain that, that many of us, we don't grieve because we're afraid of this pain. And we're afraid of how this pain makes us feel. And so we, we just bury it and we move on. But if you are willing to be quiet, if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to invite Jesus in and go, okay, what do I need to feel here? What do I need to process? How can I be quiet and listen and, and, and just absorb this moment, I think you'll find a new level of pain emerge and you're gonna have to find ways to give voice to it. Now, I wanna show you how Psalm 137 ends. And this is perhaps one of the more shocking passages in scripture, but this is the result of someone who has given themselves space to grieve a deep level of pain and this is what emerges. Read this uh, with me in verse 8. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Now, hopefully that creates a reaction. You go, wow. That is in Scripture. Why is that in Scripture? Is that because that looks like Jesus and, and this is the prayer that you and I should be praying? I would say not at all. That's not why that's there. It's not because this is the, the healthy response that we should wish upon those who we deem as enemies. No, this is what happens when you allow your heart to grieve. When you allow yourself to process deeply, there are some things that will come out and, and you just need to let them come out. And what you find all throughout the scriptures is that God creates space for us 
to level these things back at him. I mean, you can read the story of Job. You can read uh, the story of Jonah. You can read a number of people who said all kinds of crazy things back to God that were not reflective of the heart of God. And yet God in relationship with us allows us to vent, allows us to process. God is the safe space for you to say the craziest things in your, in your heart to process them through. Because the, the hope, the purpose of this is that as you surrender these ideas to God, you give Jesus the chance to shape these, to start to shape your heart, to start to redirect, to start to say, I hear you. I know that's how you feel. Let's work this through together. Let's process this through. And, and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit has a chance to start redirecting, to reframe your mind, your heart, your emotions in all of this. But here's what I would encourage you as an action step this week. Because again, I think we're all in different uh, stages of, of, of grieving this. Here's what I would encourage you. Name the grief that you feel right now. Like take some time today or this week to name it. Write down, this is what I'm grieving right now. And it can be big, huge things. It can be small things. Don't qualify whether or not you should be grieving while you're grieving. Just let it out. That's how you start to find out what's really in there, right? Just give yourself space between you and Jesus to go, this is what I'm grieving right now. And then invite Jesus to speak in to your list, to, to begin to give uh, his take on what it is that you're experiencing. Now, here's a few of mine. And these are just some things that I've been grieving and processing. And again, there's a, a range of emotions here, right? Uh, I'm grieving the loss of my trip to Israel and Palestine. We had a global connection trip lined up. Uh, we had like 26 people from our church that were gonna go. I was so excited to do this. And, and uh, literally, I would already be uh, in Israel, Palestine right now if, if that would have happened. I'm grieving that, that I, I don't, have that trip. I don't have that experience right now like I was supposed to. I'm grieving the loss of community in, in, in real profound ways. I mean, I, I just, I miss being around people. Um, I, I have not even realized, one of my own realizations is how quickly I am, uh, I'm likely to solve a problem by getting people together. How do we solve the problem? Let's get all people together and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's like, well, we can't get together. So maybe we do a phone call or a Zoom call. And, and I'm just realizing like, I just value time together, space together, and I'm grieving that we don't get that in this time. I'm grieving that my local Starbucks closed down right now, right? And so again, I, I'm grieving all kinds of things. That's one I'm going, man, I miss that Starbucks. I miss my baristas that I, I talk to every morning. I, I'm grieving just, just the simple things that are the little joys in each day. I'm grieving for painful decisions that have to be made right now all around the world. As people look at this challenge and look at the ways that it is affecting them, and there are really hard decisions that are being made. And I grieve that that has to be so. I grieve that we're in a, in a season where people have to make really hard decisions. I grieve right now for the fear that is around us, for the fear that people have, for the uncertainty, the unknown, and what that fear can do to people. I grieve that that is what people are experiencing in the midst of it. I could go on and on and on. But I would encourage you, start a list and, and write some of these things out. In this new reality, slow down, put away your harp, grieve something, allow yourself space. You may be going, 
why would I want to do this? I don't want to grieve this. I don't want to have this, this feeling, this emotion. I just want to move on. I want to get beyond this. Here's why. And again, I encourage you to write this down. Healing requires a depth of grieving. That if we are going to emerge on the other end of this season, whenever that is, and again, I have no idea, you have no idea. Whenever this gets back to some sense of normal uh, as we once knew it, whatever that looks like, I want to be in a, a, a more whole place. I, I want there to have been healing done in my own life, in my own soul uh, through this experience. But I believe that healing requires a depth of grieving. A depth of, of this is what I'm processing right now. This is what I'm losing right now. This is my reaction to it. And if you numb this pain, if you push it down, if you, if you try to take it away with something else, you will not experience the same level of healing. And I believe that Jesus wants every single one of us to emerge from this stronger, uh, to, to be healed in places that, that we had uh, wounds that we may not have even fully realized. But, but what would happen if you envisioned a year from now, you're going to be a healthier person holistically than you are today? And that might sound crazy. You go, how on earth would that, would that be the result of this season? And, and yet I, I think that's absolutely what, what Jesus would desire for all of us, that we would process this deeply and that we would emerge having new insights, new perspective, a heart that is more attuned to what God is doing. And that would be a beautiful takeaway for us. If we could say, yeah, God did some incredible things in me during this season. And it was because I was willing to grieve well. I was willing to acknowledge the loss, acknowledge the fear, acknowledge all of that, and give that back over to God. I want to close uh, today with a, a story and. You may have heard this story. This is a story that I, I think about uh, on a regular basis and seems like a, an appropriate story to share today. There was a guy named Horatio Spafford, and he was a lawyer and a businessman in Chicago. Uh, he had uh, had it all, had a successful business. He had a wife named Anna. Uh, they had five children. Uh, they just seemed to have it all going on. Yet Horatio and his wife Anna, uh, they, they knew pain. Uh, in 1871, their youngest son, the, the, the youngest of their kids, died of pneumonia. And so they had to process that grief. They had to work through that. And that same year in 1871, much of their business was lost in the Great Chicago Fire. And so not only did he have a personal tragedy, he had a professional tragedy and how that would then affect him and his family as well. But it was a couple of years later where uh, life really took on a different tone for him. In 1873, uh, Anna and their four other children, their four daughters, uh, got on a ship to Europe. And Horatio was going to join them, but uh, there were some things with the company and, uh, that he had to stay back in Chicago. And so he basically said, I will join up with you guys later. I'm going to get on another ship. I'll meet you there. And four days into uh, his family's journey across the Atlantic, uh, the ship went down. And Anna survived, and all four of the Spafford children were lost at sea. And Horatio Spafford got a wire uh, telegram back from his wife uh, when she got back on land that just said this, saved alone, what shall I do? Can you imagine getting that news? Your wife is telling you we have lost all five of our children. We'd already lost one, we just lost four of them. Can you even imagine the grief that you would feel? 
And so Horatio booked the next ship that he could get to go and join his grieving wife. And about four days into the journey, the captain brought him up on board and said, Horatio, this is the spot where the other ship went down. This is the spot where your children were lost at sea. And, and the most amazing part of this story is in the depth of grief, which I cannot even wrap my head around, that is when Horatio Spafford wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. If you've ever heard this hymn, you ever heard these lyrics, it was written by a man grieving the loss of his children while at sea on the very spot where he had to acknowledge this pain. That is what it looks like to grieve deeply. I want to close with some of the the lyrics of this song. And And I pray that this would be our perspective today. It says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well It is well with my soul. What do you need to do today, this week, this month? What do you need to do in this season to be able to say back to Jesus, it is well with my soul? What healing does Jesus have for you if you would be willing to put away the harp, to slow down, to quiet what, what, what the, the noise and to say, what do I need to grieve? What do I need to, to be in tune with? How do I process this so that on the other side of this, I get to experience the healing and I get to sing with, with all that is in me. It is well with my soul, even in the midst of sorrow. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you invite us to experience you in profound new ways today. May we, like Horatio Spafford, be able to say, it is well with my soul. Not because our situation has worked out the way we wanted, not because we are exempt from pain and from loss, but because we see what you are doing in the midst of it. And we can trust you so deeply that in the grief, in those moments, we can look back at you and realize you are still good. God, there's much to grieve right now. And some of us, we may be enjoying this time, and some of us, we are carrying incredibly heavy burdens right now. And so may we, as the church community collectively, may we join into the experience of others, celebrate with those who are celebrating, grieve with those who grieve, but may each of us Take that time to ask those deeper questions, to process what it is that we're learning right now, what it is that we're seeing right now, the the insights that you are bringing to us that are unique to this season. And may we grieve any of the pain and any of the loss in such a way that invites us to look to you and say, it is well. Jesus, that is the desire of our heart, that we would experience the healing you have for us. May you teach us to grieve well, and may you join us in the process. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.